Our scripture reading is Psalms 13, 1 through 6. It says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Oh God of our salvation, we thank you that you are a God we can come to with complaints uh, that strike us at the very heart of what we have going on in our lives, Lord God, where we can cry out, how long, O oh Lord? And so God, I pray that you would hear our cries for help in the midst of uh, what may not be going according to plan in our lives right now. God, hear us as we cry out to you, as we pray to you, as we request your help, as we're dependent upon you. God, would you just hear us and meet with us in the midst of our burdens? Would you show us what you're doing, how you're at work in our lives, especially in the midst of seasons of waiting? God, would you teach us how to wait well tonight? Um, Lord, encourage us to worship you in the midst of waiting. And God, may you receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise as you watch our hearts sing aloud to you from a heart that rejoices. God, we want to rejoice in you, the Lord of our salvation tonight. So God, would you hear us as we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I don't know if you've ever noticed, uh, but there are a lot of songs about waiting. I have a few. Um, I want to kind of just uh, maybe maybe sing to you guys. No, no, that's too much, too much. Okay. Uh, to start out, you have A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. I think females will be, uh, will be aware of this song. It's used in quite a few weddings. Um, how does it, how's the tune go? Get me started. I have died every day waiting, waiting for you. That's it. Uh, darling, don't be afraid. I have loved you for a thousand years. That's a long time. Does that, is that Twilight? Does it have something to do with Twilight? So vampires, they live for a long time. Okay. Um, probably not the best way to start a sermon, but okay, we'll go. We're running with it. All right. Uh, then you have You Can't Hurry Love by Phil Collins, uh, probably known most for his drum solos and his Tarzan soundtrack, right? Uh, but he had this song, You Can't Hurry Love. So it's the, it's the musician talking to his mom, I think, about, about the, the, you know, why we have to wait for love. You can't hurry love. No, you just have to wait. She said, love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. All right, so you got a little bit of, you know, it's playful uh, and wise in some ways. Then you get this song, uh, Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. Is that a good one? Do you like that one? Very, like, groovy, right? He's kind of got a deep sense. He's like, man, he's pretty, you know, deep in this way. Like, it says, now we see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. So we keep on waiting, waiting. Yeah, you got it. Waiting on the world to change. Yeah. And then you have, wow, what a ballad. Uh, I'll Be Waiting by Adele. You know, you know this one? Uh, if you ever want to, uh, it's very re re revelatory, right? She realizes she's failed in the relationship and she, she wants this guy back. And so she's waiting. It's upbeat, though. If you ever want one more night, if you ever want to make things right, if you ever want to change your mind, I'll be waiting. That's right. And then you got my favorite. I saved the best for last. Uh, I Will Wait by Mumford & Sons. 
man, when that came out in 2012, windows down in the Ford Fiesta, and we are just belting it out the window. And I love, I love it's, 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 man, these words. Now I'll be bold as well as strong and use my head alongside my heart. So take my flesh and fix my eyes, a tethered mind free from the lies. And I will wait, I will wait for you. The prophet Habakkuk found himself in an indefinite season of waiting, and this song could easily be one of his own. And so tonight, uh, we will see how he responded in his season of waiting with his own song in Habakkuk chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Uh, if you haven't been here the past few weeks, we've been working through the book of Habakkuk. It's three chapters, and each chapter kind of stands on its own. And so we have just kind of a very clear outline of, of just this arc of Habakkuk and, and this process that he's going through with the Lord. Um, so you have, in chapter one, you have the prophet's burden. Uh, he is burdened with something to voice to the Lord. It, it, he issues a complaint to the Lord. Um, and then you have uh, the, the prophet's vision. Uh, the Lord gives him a vision. Uh, of what he's doing. And then you have uh, the prophet's prayer, where we are tonight here in chapter 3. Uh, so you have the, the burden, the vision, and the prayer. Uh, tonight's sermon title is, While We Wait, We Will Worship. While we wait, we will worship. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, um, many of us find ourselves in a season of waiting. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us, help us to te teach us from your word what you would have for us to do in the, the season of waiting that we're in. And God, I pray that you would just stir our affections for you, that we would worship you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so what does it look like to worship the Lord in a season of waiting? Um, that's the question I pose and I'm hoping to answer tonight. What do we do? What does it look like to worship the Lord while we're in a season of waiting? Um, so with YA Worship, uh, we have, uh, every week, we have an order of worship. We have the things that we're doing in order to worship the God of the Bible. And I've gotten to work with uh, Chad Moore and now Katie Bertrand about what does that order look like. Uh, you see, we don't just worship God any old way. Uh, God does not actually uh, welcome the worship in any old way. Uh, we see this throughout the history of people, God, uh, history of God's people. There are things he has set about for us to do uh, that regulate our worship with certain elements, certain acts of worship. Uh, so namely, prayer, scripture reading, songs of praise, and preaching. Right? These are things that are custom to God's people, how God desires to be worshipped. And so we work together about how does our order of worship kind of, how is it structured? So tonight, I want to give you... Uh, the order of worship in our waiting. The order of worship in our waiting that I think I see here in Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, the first of which, the first element of worship is pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. And I think we see that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 of Habakkuk. God's word says this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shagianoth. O Lord Yahweh, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. 
in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Habakkuk asks Yahweh for a new demonstration of mercy, and he does so through prayer. Now, that word prayer, he starts off there in, in the first verse, uh, a prayer. That prayer is actually supplication, uh, which is a fancy word for just saying a prayer of request, a uh, prayer of petition. Uh, this is something to inform us that the prophet is asking God for something. And then that shagianoth is a rare word. And if I'm just being honest, it's a difficult word to pronounce. It's a rare word in that it's only used two times in the whole Bible. One of them is here in Habakkuk. The other is in the book of Psalms. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly it means, but I think uh, more than likely it indicates that this prayer is a type of psalm. Uh, it is more than likely a lament, um, something that would be sung in a time of sadness. Now remember, Habakkuk has issued a couple of complaints to the Lord about the signs of sin that he sees in God's people there in Judah and in the nation of Babylon. You see, the complaint that he issued was, Lord, how can you let your people get away with sin? And God said, oh, I'm not letting them get away. I'm going to use a wicked nation like Babylon to punish them. And then Habakkuk says, whoa, uh, how are you going to use a wicked nation like Babylon to punish a less wicked nation? And then that's when the Lord shows a vision of what he's going to do to the mighty nation of Babylon for the wicked atrocities that they've committed among several nations that they've conquered. So what the prophet Habakkuk has seen and what he's heard, it's sad. It's sad. Yet what we will discover as we keep reading through Habakkuk is that he is not without confidence. He is not without hope. And it begins with his request in these first couple of verses. He says, in the midst of the years, in the years that we have left, in the time that we have left, revive it. Revive it. So for our order of worship and our waiting, we begin by praying to the Lord, but let's be more specific than that. Our specific prayer is a request for revival. Request revival. Start with yourself and work your way outward. Lord, by your spirit, do a new work in me. In your wrath, remember mercy. You are a God who is steadfast in his love toward me. So soften my heart as I follow you. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Make me a new person. Help me to live in the new life that you have purchased for me in the blood of your son. Oh God, revive me. But then work your way out. Lord, revive my family. My parents have lost their first love. In fact, they don't even display the gospel in their marriage anymore. Give them joy again, joy rooted in you and what you've done for them. Bring them back into the church with hope and expectations. Lord, my brother, my sister, they, they are far from you. 
He doesn't know you like I know you. She doesn't live out what she believes. Bring them back from the brink of destruction. Use me to bear witness to the gospel in my family. Revive my family, O oh God. Working your way out. Lord, revive your church. We're filled with people who don't live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We have gotten so caught up in our own lives that we don't live for you. We've gotten bent out of shape about silly things that divide us and have forgotten the unity that you call us into. Teach us the doctrines that are non-negotiable. Help us hold fast to them. Show us, show us who the church really is. Rebuild your house. Call in your flock. Gather your family. Assemble your body. Revive your church. The first element in our order of worship is to pray to the Lord that, that a prayer is a request for revival, starting in me, working its way out. Our next element of worship is to ponder his ways. Pray to the Lord, but then ponder his ways. We see this in verses 3 through 15. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kashan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The fountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. Habakkuk started his prayers with, I have heard the report of you. The, in the work, O Lord, do I fear. 
And then he fills the substance of his prayer with what he has heard. He mentions the many ways and workings of the Lord throughout history. And there are beautiful words and phrases depicting the acts of God. And a few of the details help us recognize what he's referencing. And so we see that the second element in our worship is to ponder God's ways, but we can be more specific than that. We want to remember the record. Remember the record, the accumulation of his faithful testimony all throughout Scripture. Remember the record. The use of Taman and Mount Paran suggests he's thinking of the time following Israel's exodus from Egypt which we know was a huge moment in their history because of God's mighty acts of deliverance. Then the mention of God's brightness and flashing light from his hand and how he was veiled, it may be a reference to God's presence on Mount Sinai, where he enacted law to his people. And then followed by the pestilence and plague, these were often used as acts of divine judgment when that law was not kept by his people. Then you have the references to Kashan and Midian. These were tribes, Arab tribes, living near Edom, who saw God's power and were stricken with fear. And when he says the sun and the moon stood still, this is a direct reference to Joshua's victory at Gibeah, in which God fought for his people in a truly sensational way. You get the point. Just like there is a record of history between God and his people, there is a record of history between God and you. Yes, we want to ponder the ways of the Lord, how he works among us. But I need to be reminded of how he has interacted with me. You need to be reminded of how he has worked in you and through you. And this is all the more reason why you need to keep a journal and practice the spiritual discipline of journaling. Listen, I love you, but if you're just sitting and listening in worship services and you're not taking notes and engaging with what you're learning, you are missing out on one of the greatest God-given tools to growing you in your relationship with Jesus. I don't say that lightly. We were made for more than just filling in a blank on a bulletin. But when you keep a record of what the Lord is teaching you from his word, and you're filling out whole sentences and Bible references and quotes you resonate with as you hear them preached, as you hear them taught, and you wrestle with these things, and you apply them to your life, You fill in one journal after another, after another, after another. You go back and you say, the Lord was faithful there. He did a mighty work in my life back then. And you just keep doing that. And you keep testifying to the goodness of God in your life by writing it down. Hey, listen, God's people are people who write things down. (laughs) Case in point. And they teach us things. They show us the faithfulness of God up close and personal. Keep a record of the Lord's work in your life. 
When we journal through what the Lord does in our lives, we can revisit it and do what Habakkuk does. And that's praise God for the past and let that lead to confidence in the future. In fact, uh, it's, it's a twofold product here in Habakkuk 3. Uh, we've been kind of going through this uh, throughout chapter 1, 2, and 3. There was a twofold problem in chapter 1, uh, right? Habakkuk says, Lord, I don't see how you're letting your people get away with this, right? This is injustice. And God says, nah, don't worry. That sin will be punished. And he says, I, I don't see how you can use a wicked nation like this to punish a less wicked nation. He says, oh, let me show you how I'm going to punish Babylon for their atrocities. So you have a twofold problem met with a twofold promise of the Lord. Now you have a twofold product. And what is that? It's praise for what God has done in the past, confidence about what he's going to do in the days ahead. Praise the Lord. As Habakkuk has prayed and pondered, it leads him into our final element of our order of worship in our waiting. Yes, we pray to the Lord, we ponder his ways, and then thirdly, we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. We see this in verses 16 through 19. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Even though we have one disaster after another, we have no crops, we have no livestock, even as we experience suffering and loss, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes me, makes my feet like the deer's. What does he mean by that? Uh, Habakkuk can have sure-footed confidence in God. Uh, it's like being on the top of a mountain. Uh, I know we kind of talk like, oh, being on the mountaintop experience, right? Uh, I don't know if you've been on top of a mountain. It's pretty desolate up there. <laughs> Uh, kind of rocky, you might easily slip and fall, but deer, get around just fine. He's making my feet like the deer's. Sure-footed confidence so I can dwell in the high places. Wow. In this, Habakkuk shows us how we experience joy as Christians. It's always with the Lord always with the Lord. And the joy we have in the Lord can be experienced in even the worst of circumstances. And so we see that in our third and final element of our order of worship, we praise the Lord, but more specific than that, we rejoice 
with rhythm. We rejoice with rhythm. The last few words here tell us that this prayer is a song. It says, to the choir master, that is, to the director of the temple musicians. And Habakkuk gives the instruction with stringed instruments, and this would be like harps or lyres. Habakkuk likely meant for this to be a prayer that faithful followers of God would sing together, lament together, trust the Lord together in song. Isn't that beautiful? And there is a valuable lesson for us to learn in the process by which Habakkuk passed from his sob of doubt over to a song of trust. Do you see that beautiful arc from Habakkuk 1, 2 to 3? A sob of doubt. Where are you, Lord? How long, O Lord? To a song of trust. I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He had been anticipating a great destruction at the hands of the Babylons. And he began by informing God of how to run the world. (laughs) Doesn't go well for him. But he ends by trusting that God knows best and will bring about that which is just. That's a process that any of us would benefit from walking through. And so it is with many of us. I pose the question to you as we look to apply this now. What has you in a season of waiting? What has you in a season of waiting right now? Now, we need to understand Habakkuk 3.16 tells us that Habakkuk says, I will wait. That's true. He was waiting on the destruction to come upon the Babylonians. So we need to admit we're pretty far removed from that, right? but we find ourselves in seasons of waiting nonetheless. So how do we wait well? Well, I want to give you four typical seasons of waiting for young adults. These shouldn't come as a surprise to you, and don't feel pressure that you have to fulfill any of these. That's not why I give them to you. I give them to you as an observation to help guide those of you who are wrestling with these things. So I hope you hear my heart on that. Uh, Maybe you're in a season of waiting with your work. I know this is a stage of life where many people are waiting for their first time full, full-time position. And you're kind of wrestling with that. I'm waiting for that. Or you're already, already in your full-time position and you're, you're looking forward to that promotion that you, you know would be, you'd be great for, but your management's like, eh, now's not a great, a great time, right? I just want to tell you, I've been there. Um, eight years of my 20s was spent at an intern level. In fact, one of those years was a full-time position that I gave up so I could go to school. Eight years at an intern level. I know where, where you are. Maybe it's in education as you're looking to finish up any kind of graduate school or you're looking into a degree that might complement what you do right now. And you get into it and you're like, wow, I didn't realize it was going to take this much time. Or you get into it and you're like, I don't think I realized I, you know, this was going to take so much dedication. I don't think I was ready to give this much to it. Yeah, I, I, I know what that feels like. Spent seven years going after my Master of Divinity from on-campus online, on-campus online. I get that. You're waiting for a spouse. 
I want a husband. I want a wife. I hear that. I've wrestled with that. In fact, I think out of this whole arc we see with Habakkuk, when you talk about going from a sob of doubt to a song of trust, that's where many of us are wrestling right now. And I know it's hard. And I don't have all the answers for you. But I know that the Lord is in the work of the process that we see from Habakkuk 1 to Habakkuk 3. And this has everything to do with where you're at. And then maybe it's a home. Maybe you're watching that housing market and you're like, man, if it just makes that one turn, I'll, man, I'll be able to get my first house. Or for others of you, I'm, I'm ready to get out from underneath mom and dad. Yeah, I get it. Uh, a couple years ago, I did the math. I lived in 12 different places within the span of 10 years. Talk about tabernacling in the wilderness, right? One place after another. I found out what could and could not fit in a 2013 Ford Fiesta. Been there. Now, I don't say any of that to make me the hero of this show. That's not it at all. I just say that to say all of those things are well worth the wait. Absolutely. I enjoy the home that I get to experience with my wife. It's worth it. And if you do it all right, you know, he or she will be worth it. They will. But that's not the whole point. It's the process, right? Who are you becoming in the midst of the waiting? And what are you doing exactly in the midst of the waiting? That's the central theme here. Because while we wait, we will worship the Lord. Now, you may say in you know, the back of your head, you haven't waited as long as I have. I just pose that to you as that might be a warning for your soul about the pride that's in work in you um, in the form of self-pity. I don't know if you know this. Self-pity can be pride because you basically say, oh, look how hard I have it. Don't I deserve this? That's wrong. So I would just correct you and then I would commend you that it isn't about how long you wait. It is about how well you wait. So it begs the question, how do I wait well? That brings us to our main idea for the night. When we find ourselves in a season of waiting, we must resolve, we must be committed to actively, not passively, actively wait upon the Lord by worshiping Him in prayer and praise. When we find ourselves in a season of waiting, we must resolve to actively wait upon the Lord by worshiping Him in prayer and praise. If our seasons of waiting are filled with prayer and praise, they will not be wasted because God is worthy. God is worthy of those acts of worship. Those seasons will be well spent whether we receive what we're waiting for or not. We know that what our souls really long for is for Jesus Christ to return and make everything right. Look, no occupation, no education, no spouse, no house compares to the ultimate satisfaction that we will have when we are present with the glorified Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Nothing compares to that. That's what our, our hearts and our souls long for. So Maranatha, 
Come, Lord Jesus, come. For now, while we wait and we will worship, we will rejoice in the Lord. He is present with us in our current circumstances and we find our joy in him. We wait and while we wait, we worship, we pray, we ponder, we praise God. And that order of worship enables us to request revival, remember the records and rejoice with a rhythm. So let us sing songs in the midst of our seasons of waiting, trusting the Lord to be our strength to help our feet settle in on rocky ground as we dwell in the high places. Rejoice. Rejoice. Take joy in the God of your salvation.